0: Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. So Father, in the last last podcast you brought out the two encyclical or a couple of encyclical topics that the Pope had been wanting to discuss and focusing on the subtleties in the difference about if we focus on money, we're losing sight of the human person. And that's inherently a problem and had a little conversation there about economically how capitalism can correct its own thing. And personally why I feel capitalism is the only real just way of of doing uh, an economy because essentially every other form out there ends up being with some group. Sometimes it's an individual. Sometimes it's a little bit larger group controlling for their own economic, being monetary decisions, what they want to happen. And that's stretched in a lot of ways. It's happening in a lot of places in this world. You have a warlord who comes in and says, I'm taking all this aid. Me and my fighters get it first. You guys get whatever's left. Well, that's not going to be good for the rest of the population. Um, and that's how you get a lot of problems. And that core model has taken place a lot of time throughout history. And thankfully, we're born in a country where we have a government that doesn't let that happen. So, the kudos to that. Um, but I understand what what he's saying as far as... There is a subtle difference between only wanting the money and taking the, the person. Now, I gave the other extreme. You know, a warlord comes in and forcefully takes the aid or the clean water or whatever, and forces the the you know, the other people who are in his jurisdiction, if you will, into into horrible conditions. And I, I guess basically the question is. I can't send money to the United Way and fix that problem. That's just not possible. That's a real-life human issue. What can we do about it? Uh,
1: What can we do about what?
0: The fact that there are essentially institutions in place that are suppressing their people, um, sometimes by force, sometimes by coercion, all over this planet and pretty much throughout world history. So what can we do about it aside from making sure it doesn't happen here in our own state, town, municipality, city, country, whatever, you know, what can we do about it for people outside of our immediate reach?
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there's not a simple response to that. There are so many factors involved and it's easy to, to push one's own agenda uh, to support one's own pet project with uh Eye of having you know some of these situations fixed up uh, pray would be a good starting point so prayer is probably the least uh, agenda driven mm-hmm. uh, response to those situations pray for the conversion of somebody who is tyrannical pray for the the overf- overthrow or the, the dissolution of such a regime uh, you brought up in the last podcast the experience of John Paul II, who became Cardinal Archbishop of Krakow in the midst of communist Poland and whose own policy of supporting the human person, of upholding the dignity of the human person, resisted any of the reductions, the efforts at, of the communists to reduce the human person to being just you know, labor or uh Anyway, the, uh, his, his bold proclamations in terms of teaching were a key factor to uphold the hearts of the people and to help them believe that even though they felt they had so little power in contrast to the communist government, that they had a real power in terms of who they are and their human dignity and in who they are as Christians, as Catholics, with the ability to pray and to worship and to form a a Catholic community that's ultimately stronger than anything that the communist government could put together. He started that revolution when he was the Cardinal Archbishop of Krakow and then was able to continue it so that communism fell without a shot being fired. And it's an incredible testimony to the power of the gospel, really, and the, the movement of solidarity, the determination to worship, when Pope John Paul visited Poland as the Pope, the gathering that came out that was totally peaceful was also a loud, clear message to the communist government about the power of Catholics united in, uh, in worship and, and solidarity. So, um, what do we do about it? Well, you know, that had to not only be Pope John Paul, but it was also uh, the, the leaders of the solidarity movement in Poland. It was uh, men who were were bold and courageous, men who were working in factories or who were, you know, at different levels of the population. So anyway, there's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, What do we do about it from a distance? Well, we can certainly ask the questions, how are we playing into some of those systems? Um, You know, we all make purchases, so paying attention to what we're buying and where our money is going to is we're subtly reinforcing power structures by buying certain goods, which end up sending money to certain places. Um, the ways that we handle uh, other oppressive trades—I mean, capital can be an oppressive power. It doesn't take a, a warlord with an army. Uh, you know, a steel baron can also be an oppressive power, and the way that he treats his employees and the way that he drives prices and you know, sometimes standing against some of those things in a way that's closer to home. The drug trade is a serious issue. And mm-hmm. how do we ignore it or even play into it in, uh, in the United States? I mean, we keep a lot of that going. And how are we helping those who are addicted to drugs? What programs do we have? How much of our own charity and attention uh, do we give to that? So anyway, there's a lot, a lot of different situations and and different bits and pieces that we can each individually contribute. And so, I think just asking the question is a good starting point. Applying some creativity is important, and then maybe finding some people who are doing things that we can get on board with and and support would be another step.
0: Fair enough. You see, they like I said I I think that that's part of the uh, the thing is that. You know, America – yes, you're totally right. That Steel Baron, when he's the only shop in town, has a lot of authority. Um, but one of the things that we've always had is the ability to say nothing can keep you just random person from trying to start your own steel company. You know, you can, you can do it. It's not necessarily easy, um, but you, you can attempt and you can try – and I think that that is one of the things that we really take for granted. Now, I full well know that the vast majority of people would never even try. They'll just stay back and and, and don't want to do anything that doesn't have a guaranteed return. And I do think that there's probably an element that that's just the way people are. You, know, you, you like having knowledge that even if this isn't great, I'm going to get my paycheck on Friday. And... I think that there's I, – I, I don't know if that's human nature or not, but for some reason I feel like it is because it seems to be way too prevalent not to be human nature. And there's a few who will actually go out and risk everything. Um, so – but the fact that we have the ability where you can, where it's not like are, you were born on this street under communism, so you have to go to this job. You have no choice in the matter. You do whatever the local communist chief says you do. You get what he does and blah, blah, blah. Um, So, like, that's, you know, obviously the the, the communist oppression example. But I think that overall, as far as the capitalism answer is, is, you know, we always have a self-guiding thing of competition can resolve it. Or we can do the regulation route as well. Uh, overall, I think that we're better off doing it with competition, but that's a side story. So um, that's why I asked, because I think that so many of us are just, take for granted a very basic thing that most of the world can't. I mean, unless you live on the geographic edge of the country, you can drive pretty much eight hours nonstop throughout this country and go through Many different states. You try doing that same thing in Europe. You're going through different countries. Getting shot down. And you might not be able to. To go and. Be a French citizen. And go get a job over in Italy. Or something like that. Because of barriers. You can be a guy in Kansas. And go get employed in Philadelphia. Like. That's such a great benefit that we have. That. I really think that that we don't appreciate enough. So sorry that, that was, that was just something that, that had been fought for way before we ever were born. Um, so just something to, to, to be thankful for. Cause I know that we look at all of our differences and our problems so often and don't take the thought of, we actually are doing something right. and We should be pretty thankful for it. So.
1: Yeah, there's absolutely, there's a lot of good in, in all of that. and, uh, to go to your point, you know, even with the difference between competition and regulation, uh, competition has broken down many times uh, in, our, in our history. And thank God we also have regulation that's broken hey. up monopolies and that's uh, stepped in and, and stopped certain abuses of people and of uh, situations. And so that's, uh, that's why the church, the church has condemned unregulated capitalism. Sure. Yeah. As the church has condemned communism. But the combination of government regulation, you know, it needs to be minimalized sufficiently so that the capitalist market also drives things in the right way uh, has has been a great benefit for the United States. There's no question about that. And, and it's been a great example for areas of the rest of the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, I I completely agree with that. I mean it, that that's you you definitely need you need to have both. I just think that you should need to have a lot more of the capitalism taking care of it. Um, that's just my own take. Having dealing with government roles that make no sense every day in my life, um, which I could rattle off thirty hours worth of how irrelevant some of those are. But but that's neither here nor there. So. The subtlety of the human person as as you put it in the last one that itself seems pretty pretty big to try to digest that um you know how do we try to wrap our heads around that idea that you know I guess that that's been the message of. Of, of the faith from the beginning from, from Jesus. But how do we fully grasp that? Cause that seems to be the part that comes up at least overtly or inadvertently in every teaching that I've read about John Paul having and, and what you just told about these latest encyclicals and definitely in humana Vitae. So maybe that's the part we're struggling on. How do we, how do we get better at that?
1: Yeah, well, the infinite dignity of the human person, of every human person, is the foundational principle for social ethics, and you're exactly right. If we get that piece right, then it moves us, uh, moves the ball way down the field, but ultimately, we find ways to justify that some people are worth more than other people, and that leads us down some pretty bad directions, uh, whether it's in Creating human embryos, uh, harvesting organs, or harvesting stem cells, or harvesting, you know, turning a person into a commodity, and whether we do it at the uh, microscopic, you know, or the uh, the, the pre pre birth stage, or whether we do that in terms of child labor in uh, industry, or whether we do that in terms of the the poor who suffer from the effects of our destruction of the environment or whether we do that in terms of anyway, um, deciding that some people are worth more than other people is the root of so many evils. And I think we have to challenge ourselves and challenge each other to do what St. Paul says, consider everybody as more important than yourself. It's a great challenge. And to do what Jesus says, Love one another as I have loved you. The example of Jesus is to love everybody to the point of sacrificing himself. And we don't do that very well. So just working on that view is uh, is a critical step forward. And recognizing our own dignity as well, uh, maybe to not stand for certain kinds of, of mistreatment or abuse and to, to stand up as they did in Poland, or as as Pope John Paul really did for others more than for himself. Um, yeah, that's a that's a big piece of it. The infinite dignity of the human person, of every human person. No one person is worth more than someone else. And and capitalism, you know, again, the uh, the potential distortion from that is that we even talk about. We use that phrase. How much is that guy worth? Mm-hmm. Right, uh, infinite amount and that's the case if you're pointing to a beggar on the street. Mm-hmm. But we reduce ourselves to our bank account, you know, or we uh, inflate ourselves to our bank account when the amount of money we have is not what we're worth.
0: Yeah, that that's exactly what I was going to say all that that the way that you're saying worth is way grander than than the economics or the dollar amount side, the monetary side of it that the it has to be that way. Essentially, your paycheck is based upon your skill at whatever you're doing, or at least in theory it should be. Um, so, my guys who are better at drywalling get paid more than the guys who are not as good at drywalling because they're better, and that's you know you should reward people for getting better at what they do. And I, I feel like that's not this in conflict or against what you're saying as far as just being a person you have innate divinity worth as far as spiritually and i find that that is okay that that's different than the quality of your labor here on earth because not all of us have the same abilities and nor could any of us possibly have the same abilities it wouldn't be able to work like that you know there are people who are going to be better surgeons than i ever could be and there's gonna be people who give better speeches and are better at healing and connecting with people. And that's good. And I think that you need to have an incentive process to encourage people to to get better at stuff in life. You know, I think that that I think that's important. But I, I think what you're saying is the more important part that everyone forgets that being a human person itself is more important than all the rest of that combined. And yes, you should try to strive to be better, but you also need to figure out how to to recognize everyone else. But on that question, I guess, is the part of what this cast is, is how do you, just because you're born as as a children of God, doesn't mean you're growing in that capacity either. So how do, and, and the church, you know, the ones who are ultimately successful are the saints, You know, they give us the living example of how to do it. How do we deal with the fact, I mean, capitalism has you get paid more, so therefore we think you're a better drywaller than this guy. Your paycheck says that. But we have no way of judging who's holier or closer to Jesus as far as a scoreboard like that. You know, there might be tangible things that that you could see being involved in every day, but there's not a, a scoreboard if if that makes sense, and how do we grow and associate to make that better
1: Well, and in fact, the scoreboard can be the, precisely the opposite of the world's scoreboard mm-hmm. so that the poor person who suffers with love and responds with charity can be worth much more than the billionaire who causes him to suffer mm-hmm. so. Yeah, virtue, charity is the measure of the saints. And we can't turn that into an objective measurement. But uh, God knows. And we can we can discern that in our hearts and maybe in the actions of others.
0: Sure. No, I, I absolutely get that. I know that around you see all kinds of people who came from very impoverished places in their lives to have done so many great things in this world that there's so many examples that you probably can't even count. And just because they found something they were good at and got better at it and then used it to help other people around them. So I don't think that you're saying just being poor and staying poor is the goal. It's being charitable and, and gracious throughout the process, unless I'm missing something here.
1: Yeah, there are poor people who are not saints and there are poor people who are saints
0: mm-hmm.
1: there are rich people who are not saints and there are rich people who are saints there's not an equivalence between holiness and what the world values is what I'm saying
0: and that's what I was trying to clarify I thought that's what you were saying I just wanted to, to clarify that so on that note Father as we're running low on time are there any final thoughts that you want to make sure that we nail down here today
1: Oh, I think just to come back to that point, that for us to challenge ourselves to see where we uphold inequalities, where we view some people as lesser and some people as more, and to challenge ourselves in that and to recognize the infinite dignity of absolutely every human being.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you very much for that, Father. Thank you guys very much for listening. Please continue to follow us at Father and Joe on Twitter to subscribe to us. And please, if you haven't done so yet, please leave a review on iTunes because that's how we come up higher in the search results. So thank you everyone out there and have a great day.